commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome back to another edition of Been All of America's Winter of Weirdness. Uh, this is just episode two here so far in the series. Uh, we came back last week with John Tenney, a real barn burner of an episode, and tonight, uh, I'm really excited about tonight's edition of the show. Uh, our guest is Amanda Paulson. She is a paranormal investigator, ghost hunter, um, she calls herself Paranormal Ponderer, which I like a lot, so we'll find out about that. Um, and you can find – she – I was joking with her before we started the show. We'll kind of get into this a little bit because, you know, folks, I like to get meta on this stuff. Um, but she is quite prolific. She's, like, all over the place on social media. And I was saying to her before we started the show, you could – we could do a whole show just on, like, her Instagram. We could do a whole show just on the TikTok, just on the YouTube. This so – she ha- she really produces just – Tons of stuff, um, and it's all in sort of these interesting little bite-sized pieces all over the place on all these different uh, platforms. So I'm uh, I'm impressed by the hustle because I'm incredibly lazy. As anyone who, as uh, if you're listening to Banal America, you know that by now because you you've been a listener for for a while. You you know the mythos that is Banal. So. Um, just just to see all these platforms, I'm like, wow, I can't even manage. I could barely manage the two things I do. So um, you can find out more. I guess we'll point people to prettyfnspooky.com. That's prettyfnspooky.com. That's sort of her hub. And from there, I believe you can kind of jump off onto all the different stuff. So with all that said, looking forward to having this conversation tonight. Amanda, welcome to Banal of America. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. Um, now let's. You're, this is the first time you've been on the show, so let's start out with the uh, the bio, the background. You know, who is Amanda Paulson, and and how did you get um, mixed up in all this paranormal stuff? Sure. So um, I am Amanda Paulson. I'm over here in Spokane, Washington, right now. Um, I got interested in the paranormal, or rather, exposed to the paranormal, back when I was seven. Um, but I didn't start investigating until I turned 18 back in 2008 um, with a ghost hunting team. And uh, I like to say I have a very traditional ghost hunting background, um, but in the last, uh, I think it's three years now, I've had Pretty F and Spooky, my blog, which has kind of opened my eyes to um, the complexities of the field. 
And so um, I'm, I'm a solo investigator now, paranormal researcher, and uh, as you said, paranormal ponder. Okay, so you, you say you had your eye. I, I guess I almost want to just jump right into the Lizzie Borden stuff before we even kind of <laughs> – because that's the – that's – uh, and even reading, I was reading one of the profiles on you uh, the, on the Inlander, and uh, they make specific mention of that. So it's kind of like this signature, almost like this moment, this, this maybe a transformative moment. I'm not sure. You can tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, I posted it on Twitter. I was going to mention this before we started the show. So I have my Lizzie Borden uh, mug here uh, from the Lizzie Borden house. <laughs> I actually was there. I, had, I live in Boston. I had never been there. Um, until last year, uh, the summer of 2020, which is when, uh, during the pandemic. So like since everything was shut Mm -hmm. down or like super low capacity, it was a great time to do in state, um, you know, tourist attractions and stuff like that. And I had a a fair amount of time Mm -hmm. off last summer. So I did the Lizzie Borden house. I'm like, let's finally, let me just go and finally do, I know a lot of people that, uh, have done ghost investigations there. I know a decent amount of like ghost people in Massachusetts, and it's always always talk about Lizzie Borden. So I went and checked it out. So when I discovered you and your work, I was like, uh, it led me to this um, uh, Lizzie Borden story, and I was like, holy shit, this is doubly amazing to me because like I was just there. I can still kind of remember the basics of the house and everything. So. Mm-hmm. Um, to set people up before we sort of get into that, the, the Lizzie Borden house is this house in Fall River, Massachusetts. If people aren't aware, uh, Lizzie Borden, I'm going to completely botch this story. So if I if you know more details <laughs> and you if you catch any mistakes, you let me know. But Lizzie Borden, essentially, okay. uh, <laughs> I don't even remember the guy's name. Old man Borden and his wife were murdered <laughs> mysteriously in their in their house in Fall River, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and. Suspicion fell on Lizzie Borden, who was like a 20-something young woman then, I believe. I, I may get the age wrong. And essentially, it turned into like this true crime, one of America's first like signature true crime cases. It was this sensational murder trial, and she uh, was acquitted and lived out the rest of her days in Fall River, uh, sort of like with this cloud of suspicion over her for the for the rest of her life. So it's an mm-hmm. infamous, infamous story of a, of a gruesome, bloody axe murderer uh, that happened at this house that we are talking about that uh, Amanda's going to tell us about her visit there, which was really crazy. So that, I feel like I've talked yeah. way more than you have tonight, Amanda. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so let's hear from you. So tell us about this experience you had visiting the Lizzie Borden house. Sure. So <clears throat> let's, uh, let's set my experience up a little bit by, um, going just back uh, earlier this year. So I visited the Lizzie Borden house in, I think it was, uh, or it was April because it was on Easter, um, Easter Sunday. And um, prior to the Lizzie Borden house, I had just investigated the Conjuring house. And like two weeks prior, I had investigated Waverly Hills. And so I had been doing a lot of investigating. And I'm somebody who um, has a tendency to let my skepticism kind of hold me back from fully experiencing um, paranormal phenomena on investigations, and it's something I've been working through. Um, I tend to take a very traditional ghost hunting approach to it. I'm not aggressive or anything, but, you know, I'm just very, like, here's my equipment, here's my process, and kind of type A about it, honestly. And 
so going into my stay at the Lizzie Borden house, I was very skeptical of the activity there. I really wasn't expecting much, and I honest, honestly had not consumed much media about the Lizzie Borden house. I don't know why, but it just I'm not a huge true crime fan in general, and it just was not the kind of thing that um, – really struck a chord with it just I didn't care at the time and I okay and um yeah. and so and I and I went because it was famous like I was like I'm a ghost hunter I'm gonna go to this famous house and um investigate it well what right. happened is that um as I said I stayed on Easter Sunday and on Easter Sunday uh nobody else decided to stay in the house imagine that um and so <laughs> I ended up staying at the Lizzie Borden house completely alone and not only just where there no other guests, but there were also no employees. There was nobody at all on the property, which surprised me. I stayed at Airbnbs and, or not Airbnbs, but bed and breakfasts and, and other places like that. And there's always been somebody on the property. And to a degree that somebody being on the property has always kind of given me a comfort of being able to explain away some paranormal activity. There's always like that yeah. might be a human. And so this night, I I didn't have that comfort. I knew for a fact that the tour guide gave me a two-hour-long tour of this house, and uh, it was right in the middle of changing ownership as well. So I think it was just kind of in a weird, like, transitionary period because the guy was like, I don't know if I'm going to have a job after this. Like, it was just kind oh, of wow. a weird vibe, and he was like, yeah, and he's like, here you go. Like, and I'm like, hey, wait, how do I buy, do I buy T-shirts? How do I buy merch? Because <laughs> I wanted to buy some stuff. And he's like, oh, the lady will be here at 10 in the morning. And I'm like, 10 in the morning? Okay, so I'm just alone in this house until 10 in the morning the next day. And so um, – Now, hold I, on. Let I me had... stop you just – hold on a minute. Let me – because I have some basic sort of logistical questions because uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat already with this story. So, so the guy was just like, okay <sighs> – did, did, he, did he, infor- he told you you're the only one here? Did he, like, hand you the keys to the house? Yeah. Well, well. so the house has a keypad on it. Okay, yeah, the key, uh, yeah, the right. Yeah, so, so it was very similar to, like, an Airbnb situation. But, yes, he gave okay. me his two-hour-long tour, which the tour went around the entire house. So, like, I could see with my own two eyes there was no one in the house, and he informed me that right. there was no employees staying on uh, – because there's, like, the merch – or whatever you call it, their T-shirts are in a different building on the property. There was no yep, one. Yep, yep. They're a little there barn up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and I asked, and there was no one else in there either. Um, which I don't know why. I guess sometimes there are. But um, so yes, this this really nice man gave me a tour and did tell me for sure that I was the only one there and that if I needed to leave, you know, and I, I'd have to use the code to the door. And, like, I had his, I had a card with um, somebody else's number on it that I could get a hold of if I, like, forgot the code or something. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So there was some some of that, you know, logistics uh, to it. But, yeah, I mean, so okay. I was there alone. I had a car, a rental car, but, I mean, I was all the way across the country. I'm in Washington State, so I'm staying at this house alone. And Fall River in itself is just kind of a strange town I felt like I was just like I don't, and maybe it was because it was Easter but the whole vibe of the day was just weird I had spent the majority of the day actually in the Bridgewater Triangle which I feel like added a certain kind of I don't know like energy to the day like it, and it had already been yeah. a very weird day um, and so 
I'm at the house, the guy leaves, I'm alone, and I had, like, some takeout. I was going to eat dinner and kind of chill out for a while. I really wasn't going to investigate until, like, 10 p.m., and I was going to go live on Instagram. And um, I had all these plans of, like, investigating. I was I was going to go, go uh, live with another person so I could investigate with somebody else on live. Anyway, those plans got derailed by the fact that the activity started almost immediately as I was um, in my room, which it was the uh, John Morse room, which is where Lizzie Borden's uncle had been staying at the time of the murders. And Lizzie Borden's mom, her mom had been found murdered on the floor of this bedroom. So I had chose. Okay. Okay. I I can see the room now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know the room you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's kind of the most famous room, I guess, picture-wise. Like, aesthetically, a lot of people have seen it. But um, I chose it because I kind of thought it would be the most active. Like, again, I didn't really have any knowledge of any TV shows of it or anything. I just was like, well, she was found murdered in here. It's probably haunted. And so... Um, <laughs> it's so bizarre to think about. Like, it, it's totally... I would totally do the same thing, but it's, like, so bizarre, like... Where it's like when you really kind of stop and think about it, it's like a lady was murdered, like <laughs> like literally between next to the bed and the dr- and like the dresser, there's a dresser, the, the, and they uh, got the pictures up when you go in, yeah. and it's like you can stand there and you look, and they're like, okay, that's where the dead body was, that the lady was beaten <laughs> with a fucking axe, like right yeah. right there on on oh, that spot. It's yeah. pretty creepy. Okay, so you're staying it's in really that room. Creepy. This is wild. Yeah. Yeah, and so, um, and it's funny you say that about how creepy that really is when you start to think about it, because I hadn't given it much thought until I was there, and every t- turn I took, there was a, a murder photo, skull, there was an axe, there's, you know, another photo of the crime scene. It was just, like, the absolute scariest scenario I could have ever put myself in. The place has no modern amenities, really, aside from, like, a toilet that I could use. Like, no TV, no nothing to make me feel comfortable. And so I am on the bed trying to eat my dinner in the beginning of the night, I don't know, sometime around, like, 7 or 8 p.m. And I'm watching uh, TikTok on my phone, and I'm just kind of minding my own business. And all of a sudden I hear um, a woman's voice down the hall. And... um, and it was so bizarre because I'm just somebody who has not – I have I've experienced paranormal phenomena, but to have it really be right there in my face and just so undeniably uh, unexplainable was new to me because I heard this voice. I at first thought it must be somebody in another room, and then immediately I go, wait, there's nobody in the other room. So I don't know why oh, I heard a female voice. And so that catches my attention, and I'm kind of like, okay, uh, I'm paying attention now. I'm, you know, I'm going to continue eating, but that was strange. Um, what was the then, voice? Uh, hold on, man. I'm going to stop you sometimes with these questions because I, I, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated. So, all right. So, what did the, what like, kind of describe the like? Was it a brief? Like you, like, like you heard some, like a brief thing, or was it like a sort of an, uh, like maybe there's a conversation you can't quite hear? You're like how? Describe how this voice sounded. It was like uh, two syllables, but I couldn't make out what it said. And it was like a a higher tone female voice, like kind of airy. It was like, like two syllables like that. And and so (laughs) it was. It was very distinct. It wasn't like because there was street noise, and then Fall Fall River had like there was street noise where Liz Borden House is. but it was my door was open and I could tell that it was coming from the hallway and it's like two syllables. Yeah. So yeah, so 
that is what kind of kicked it off. But um, eventually what ended up happening as I was trying to, I, I basically started calling everyone I knew because I'm alone. So I'm just sitting there in silence after I turn off TikTok and I'm like, what was that? It's just silence. So I start trying to call people. I'm like, hey, I'm calling my mom. I'm calling anyone I can think of. I'm just going, hey, what's up? I'm, in a, I'm at the Lizzie Borden house. Uh, and I'm just trying to normalize it a little bit because I'm already really freaked right, right. out. And and uh, I um, I start noticing what sounds like footsteps in the room above me. And the room above me is the maid's room. So mm-hmm. for anyone who, who doesn't know the Lizzie Borden story, the maid was kind of important in the story. Some people believe she had something to do with it. I don't really know. I don't have any opinion on that. But um, so above me is the maid's room. And I just start hearing these boots just walking across the room. And it was so definitive. It wasn't a radiator knocking. It wasn't uh, anything other than just somebody pacing back and forth in the room. And then all of a sudden I'd hear footsteps down the hallway. And I can oh, just hear these, these footsteps all around me. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on? And then what terrifies me eventually the most is that I can hear the footsteps then in my bedroom as well. And I'm sitting on this bed kind of like cross-legged, and there's a wooden armoire in that bedroom. And I can hear footsteps next to it and then the shifting of wood of the armoire. Like there's weight oh, shifting Jesus it Christ. from the hardwood floor. <laughs> and so, so that's oh, kind of when it clicks. <laughs> it clicks, and I'm like, well, this is happening. And, um, and so <laughs> I, at this point, um, I'm kind of – so, gosh, so – so much happened in this night, um, but I do go on Instagram Live. I end up going on Instagram Live about three times, like a total of about three hours, which is outrageous. I've ne- I barely yeah. go live, period, and that is a very long time to just be in front of a camera with like <laughs> like twenty people watching. And I, but I was so scared that I was like, I need this company. So I, long story short, this activity happens all night. I end up sitting on my bed for the majority of it. At one time, I kind of, like, get the courage to go around the house, and I turn off all the lights because I thought that was a good idea, and I tend to get um, – <laughs> I tend to uh, want – when I was on live, and I wanted to seem cool, and, like, I was there to, mm-hmm. you know, do the thing. And so I'm like, I'm going to turn off all the lights and get ready to investigate. And then I scared myself, had to go back around the house and turn the lights all back on. And then um, – and then – Basically, what happens is I get so terrified that I end up sitting in my room for the majority of the night. I had my equipment on the floor of the bedroom. If my backpack was open, it was ready to use. I just let it, I left it there. I didn't want to touch it. I didn't engage. I was scared out of my mind, more scared than I've ever been in my entire life. And I, at one point, I was like, I, I'm not. I'm still young. I'm 31, but I I felt like I was like I'm going to give myself a heart attack if I am not careful. Like I'm very scared. <laughs> yeah. And it and it surprised me because I had done like I said I did I did Conjuring House, I did Waverly Hills, I've done all these places. I've, I'm such a tough ghost hunter, and then I'm put in this scenario where psychologically everything's working against me. I'm like as I said, I'm all the way across the United States. I'm in this very antiquated home with no modern amenities that can give me comfort. Um, and there's crime photos everywhere. And then on top of that, there's just a ghost walking around my room. 
and it felt like yeah. it was like observing me in some way. And it um, observing it you, you absolutely, think? yeah. It felt because yeah. it would walk around upstairs and then it would walk down the hallway and then it'd walk around the room and it just felt like because the it, I don't think it was residual in the, in the fact that like it it had a pattern like in like it didn't know I was there and it just was doing its nightly walk. I don't know, but um, but it felt like I just kept getting it in my head. I was like, all I can think of is that this ghost is looking at me and saying the audacity of this girl to come in here and think she can just stay here alone and just eat her food in the bed and like watch TikTok. Yeah. It just I I felt immediately like I was in a way like disrespecting it or it perceived me as, as doing such and I just felt like it was not the time to investigate and that's something I've talked very openly about on my um on social media and, and with people after that experience is that it was um, a very eye-opening uh, time for me where I realized that quote unquote ghost hunting was not the right move. And I needed to just experience the phenomena and just be in that moment. And, and also that, that fear had just kind of paralyzed me. And it, it was yeah. really fascinating to kind of observe myself after the fact and say, wow, what just happened? Like, why Why did I react like that? What went behind that? And how is that going to change me moving forward? And I do kind of feel like the Lizzie Bornhaus was a catalyst for me to kind of, it, it humbled me, I guess, and, and made me look at investigating in a much different light later on. But, yeah, that's the wow. Lizzie Bornhaus experience. <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic story. It's really, really fascinating. Um yeah, it definitely seems like like you were primed for something strange to happen just by just the sheer – I know you talk about liminality a lot in, on your social media. And mm-hmm. It's kind of like I – don't, I don't know. I guess you would call that liminality. It was more almost just like you were completely plunged into uh, unfamiliarity or something. Um, you yeah. Know, like I well, said, you're all the way across the country. You're in this crazy mm-hmm. house that, that, you know, just completely uh, – you know, disoriented in a sense. Yeah. Well, and on the topic of liminality, what's interesting is that that day, um, like I said, I was in the Bridgewater Triangle, which I visited just because I had known that it was famous for its uh, paranormal phenomena there, um, which for those of you listening, uh, it, the Bridgewater Triangle has seen UFOs, it's seen Bigfoot-like creatures, it's seen everything. And, uh, yeah. and, I was in a park there and I found a bridge and I crossed this bridge in the middle of nowhere. And I didn't think about it at the time, but I also was kind of reflecting on, on my investigation at the farmhouse the night prior and Lizzie Borden house, whatever. So I crossed this bridge and then I cross it back and I, and I walk back to my car and I go to the Lizzie Borden house. And later I looked back at that moment and I was like, I really feel like that bridge kind of had some kind of purpose as like a crossing some kind of threshold or like almost offering myself to the other and being like, I want this, like because yeah. I had been disappointed in, in not as much activity the night before. And I was like, I really just, I, you know, I want to see as much as I could possibly see. I want to believe. And I feel like I, in a sense, kind of put myself in between or betwixt, you know, like yeah. real life and the other side. Like I just kind of like thrusted myself into into the other side and um and then later realized I guess I wasn't 
ready for it or, or you never know how you're going to react to that, you know. And um, I'm grateful for it now, but, man, I really thought it was going to – I thought <laughs> – it felt like death kind of. I was like, I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> it was very scary. Yeah. Um, Zach Copley wants to know – he might have jumped in. Uh, you're, you're from Washington State, and you traveled over because uh, he was asking uh, – yeah, you're not, you're not local to the area, so you, you're from Washington State, and you traveled over – as part of almost, mm-hmm. you could say, like a different a paranormal investigation tour of your own, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. What's interesting is, first of all, I think you're being too hard on yourself because you said, like, oh, I wasn't ready for it. We don't, you don't, you, we don't know. We don't know what, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you may have passed <laughs> the test. You may be, you may be, you may be, you might be being hard on yourself, but in reality, it's like, no, you. Yeah, that was you, you. You did the right thing, or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. Um, well, and that's the and, beauty of it too. Is like yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> uh, yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, and it, it, to me, it's interesting. Like you made a really good point that the equipment was all there and everything, um, but you didn't think it was like the right time for ghost hunting. It's like well, you already, you already, you already caught the ghost. Like you already. What, yeah. What's the point of hunting yeah. for it, right? It's, it's come to you. It's you don't need any of the equipment. Um, yeah. But you didn't try to like you said like you didn't engage at all with this, um, you know, with, with this presence that you felt. Mhm. Mhm. No, I just kind of like, and that's what's interesting too is it was a situation where I and I'm I have a presence online and it was in a situation where I had to face you know why am I doing this and am I doing it to film this right now and to put it online and get the most views or whatever or am I doing this to experience phenomena you know and so I I didn't I I will say I do kind of wish I would have engaged a little more uh, for myself not even just like with equipment or anything but part of me wishes I would have engaged but there was another part of me that um, intuitively knew that it wasn't right. Like it, there was a, an element to that night that felt like it was more than I was capable of confronting or like speaking to. So I just kind of let it happen around me, so to speak. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, because uh, I don't know what even would happen like if you try to engage anyway, because there's no like handbook for like, how to communicate with this like you, most of the time it's it's like I was saying like when people ghost hunt they try to get that little flicker of recognition but if you've already got the thing like right in your presence it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to like be like okay well what are you going to do now you know yeah well and it felt yeah and it felt challenge. like it was kind of playing with fire too like because it was already so much was already happening that if I had said like uh okay if you're really here will you like knock something over I was afraid like something would fly across the room. Like, it it was just like, so, yeah, it was, it was already happening so much that it felt like there was nothing more for me to say, really, unless it could go up and be like, hey, and I could say, hey, what's your name? Did you murder these people? I don't know. Like, I just was unprepared to, to communicate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can't even, the only thing that like popped into my head just now, and it's like, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have a, I, I don't even know if I could even stay there by myself. The whole the whole part of that is just like so. I mean, kudos to you. I'd be like, 
I'd be like pissed to be honest. I think I would be more pissed. I'd be like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Like, you don't even have anyone to stay. Oh, what if I burn this place down? Like, well, this is such an yeah. irresponsible business. What kind of, what kind of, yeah. what kind of, kind of operation do you No wonder you don't know if you're going to have a job in two months, dude. You're just, you're just leaving some random stranger in charge of this historic location. So I know. But, it was yeah, bizarre. I think. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it was, was weird. so weird. <laughs> But I feel like maybe I'd be like, can can you manifest yourself? Like I I feel you here, you know. Can but like again, it's like then I probably would give myself a heart attack if this thing manifested itself. So it's like I don't know. I wouldn't. That's I don't know if I'd be yeah. brave enough to do that. That's what I'm saying. Is like it was like the only option was to ask for more, and I was like, I don't know if I want to, especially in that house too, and the stories surrounding that house, and the sheer amount of people who have come there in there perpetuating this idea of, of evil and dark. Like, I'm just like, ugh, the, the, the egregore that that place has become is so intimidating that I was like, ugh, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I'm just going to, you can just walk around me all night and I can flip out and like call it a day. I didn't, I didn't need it to manifest that night. And, but now, now maybe I would, now maybe if I was put in a similar situation, I've experienced that other time now that maybe I would be more prepared mentally. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. And I'm sure, like, the, there are skeptical people who, like, think that, like, maybe it's all, uh, you know, maybe it's all somehow, like, done by the people at the house. But I find that hard to... I find that hard to believe, especially well, if the house was being sold, you know, was in the process of the mm-hmm. changing hands and everything. And I, yeah, I've thought about that a lot. And I, um, so, yes, I, it, if people aren't aware already, there are even companies who will, like, professionally haunt famous locations. And so there are ways to to make act, activity seems very believable and very real that are that is, in fact, fake. And uh, I thought about that with the Lizzie Borden house, but just the, I, I feel so grateful, so lucky to have been there in a transitionary moment where like they were trying to sell it. And I, cause I really just felt like they did not care that I was there and whatever sticks they had, I don't think if they had one, I don't think they would have been using it that night. If that makes sense. Like I was nothing. Like I was just this random girl staying there and I don't think anyone cared and I don't I really don't feel like it would have been planted um for that activity I I hope not but um yeah if the new owners want me to come back and and I can have my redemption arc you know maybe I would be open to that yeah for sure <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah well it's a, it it's very fortuitous too because it's like you in a sense it's like they don't – I'm sure maybe the new owner, the new owners of the Lizzie Borden house, I can't really besmirch them. I don't know them very well, but they are like uh, – well, it's some guy, and he owns like a national ghost tour company. Um, and uh, I saw your po- – you mentioned it somewhere on there. Like in one of the articles, interviews with the guy, he was talking about adding axe throwing and an axe throwing attraction mm-hmm. to the place, which is kind of like, oh, man, <clears throat> you know, I'm yeah. from around here. And it's like – you know, I don't know. We don't cotton yeah. to that kind of thing. It just sounds kind of like this is a historic location, dude. Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't defile it with silliness and 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 hijinks and shit. I'm all yeah. for sort of 
you know, giving a, a proverbial fresh coat of paint to the whole place. Um, sure. You know, and maybe putting some new life, no pun intended, into it. But, uh, yeah, sort of turning it into more of an, attract, an, an attraction to me is kind of like – it's just not very respectful of of the story and everything. But anyway, so the yeah, but I'll, I'll I'll yeah, I'll I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and see what happens and all that good stuff. So it's but it's, it's interesting, yeah. yeah, that they just bought the place. Oh oh, so what I was going to say is that it was very fortuitous because really, if you think about it, like if they like, well, it's hard to explain, but like the people who run the house could could probably make more money. Being like you're going to be the only one, like you would almost because I was just thinking, like I wonder if I could do that, do what you what you did, and it's like you would have to call and like fucking request to be the only one in the house, and it would probably cost you a small like a shitload of money. <laughs> like yeah. they'd be like, I well, do, you have to rent all of the rooms because if you want to be the only one there, yeah. you have to rent all of the rooms. So I guess that's what I meant by it was mm-hmm. really fortuitous because it, you almost if you wanted to make that happen. It would be a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely saved a shit ton of money <laughs> by this happening like this. Like, I would have, I think the old owners actually used to have an option to rent out the entire house, and I want to say it was definitely over $1,000. I can't remember how oh, much. Oh, for sure. But, um, for like sure. From, yeah, yeah. $1 and $2,000. And my room was like 300 and something. So, um, yeah, so it was, I it, the whole scenario was, like, very lucky, and, of course, of course, the content creator part of me was like, wow, the opportunity here, like the Internet's going to hear about this one. I'm the only one here. <laughs> um, but then but then the phenomenon was like the phenomenon was like, no, uh, we're going to kick you in the ass and be like <laughs> humble yourself. Um, so, yeah, it was very it was a very interesting time. Um, but I'm very grateful that it happened the way it did, because I understand a lot of people won't get that same opportunity possibly ever. So, yeah, I'm very lucky. Yeah, it's crazy. I've never, I've never heard a, a, a story quite like it. So, uh, like I said, it's pretty, it, it's pretty amazing. And since I'd just been there about a year ago, I was like, holy shit, this is, <laughs> this is pretty crazy. It's a, yeah, yeah it's a, spooky. Yeah, pretty effing spooky. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's a nice place. Mm-hmm. If people get the chance, check it out. It's uh it's mm-hmm. very. Uh, I'd be, I'd be, I, I, now that I, now that the new owners have it, I'd be interested to check out what it is like now, but I assume it hasn't changed all mm-hmm. that much. Um, yeah. Very interesting. So then what happened? The next day you just went and got some merch and like, we well, got the <laughs> hell out of there. Or, did you tell them like all this shit happened? Uh, yeah, I guess I should say, uh, by about 2.30 a.m. I went and slept in my car. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I forgot to mention that part. Yeah, so, um. I managed to I was so I was so scared that I was frozen on my bed quite a long time. Went on live and said, Hey guys, I'm so scared I'm gonna go on live just to get my ass out of this house right now because I cannot move forward without like having people hype me up basically. And uh yeah. so I got all my shit I got all my stuff together, like keys to my car and said whatever I needed, but I left like the majority of my stuff in the room and uh like I I swing the door open, I'm like, Hey, and there was nobody out there. But um, And I, I left the house at about 2.30 a.m. I did get down to the kitchen and could still hear walking around the house. I was like, what the hell? Like, it was terrifying. But get to the kitchen. Jeez. I leave. I go sleep in my car. 
which was terrible. And I've been told multiple times afterwards, they were like, you should not have slept in your car in Fall River, but it happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's, and I kind of yeah. I kind of could tell that, too, from the time I spent there getting dinner. I was like, I don't want to do this. But I also don't want to see what 3 a.m. has in store in this house either. So yeah, I slept there yeah. until slept in my car until about 7 a.m., whenever the sun rose, and then I went back in slept in the bed for about three hours, um, kind of stretch. I kind of pushed the time. I was supposed to be out of there by 10, um, but I watched the woman who worked the store. I watched her drive in, park, go into the store, but she never came in to the house. So I just took my time and took pictures and, like, whatever, and then uh, went and bought some, some shirts and stuff, and I kind of tried to talk to her. I'm not, like – super outgoing in person but I was like oh that was crazy kind of thinking she's going to ask me or something she didn't care at all like she didn't have (laughs) anything to say like absolutely nothing and I was like okay bye and then I left and I had to go to the freaking airport and I had to leave that day all the way back to Washington State so yeah that was that I was very tired Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, Fall River's kind of like down on their luck. That's their, that's sort of their claim to fame. They used to be a little, mm-hmm. I think they used to be like a port town or something, and they, they still are kind of a port town, but, like, they're not nearly as important as they <laughs> used to be when, you know, <laughs> they were one of only, like, only like a few hundred ports in America <laughs> rather than thousands or whatever. Um, yeah. But, yeah, 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 the, the, it's it's a rough, rough place. Um mm-hmm. But interesting. Yeah, I'm not surprised in a sense, I guess, about the lady. It's kind of like I'm imagining like she's cut. This is her job. I, I work at the paranormal yeah. too, so I can kind of see. I can, I can, I can kind of, I feel her. I feel her in a way. So it's like I can imagine her. She's like, she's got her own life and shit, and she's coming in at 10 in the morning to work the, totally. to work the merch shop at the Lizzie Borden yeah. house. This is her job and shit. And it's like, you know, she's yeah. probably like, Lady, I don't care. Buy a mug or get out. I know. It felt very much like she just got that job and did not care about, like, (laughs) anything else. Yeah, respect to the lady. She was fine. I just was kind of (laughs) shell-shocked and was like, ah, and she's like, get out of here and buy this mug for, like, $20. (laughs) But, yeah. Yes. Okay, now, so... This is that's perfect. Okay, so this is that's the Lizzie Borden house story. I've been dying to hear this story since I stumbled upon it. I kind of <clears throat> when I I watched, I sort of got the basics of the story from your different posts on social media, but I kind of didn't dive as deeply into it because I was like, I'm getting, I've got to get Amanda Paulson on the show to talk about this the story because this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, and we almost never <laughs> do ghost stories on ghosts or ghost story stuff on the show we're trying to do more now um and uh-huh. zach Hopley in the chat actually he bumped me up here he set me up for the first thing i was sort of had in the in the basic notes right on the first beginning of your um the beginning of your blog there at pretty effing spookies your favorite paranormal investigating tools he was wondering like what kind of equipment did you bring so like what you know, what is, and you, earlier you mentioned your process, which is interesting to me because that's um completely foreign concept to me in a way. Like, I understand what you mean, sure. but um, but if, if, if you know, if, uh, I, I cannot even begin to suggest what that process is or what, I mean, I've read the article here about the equipment, so I have an idea basically of, of what you might use, but what is... It's a long-winded sort of 
wait a second, like, what is this process? <laughs> what is your process? What do you use? Sure. How do you, do you – and it's just as a sort of mini jump-on question, do you use – like, was this a, a wholly unique situation where you were alone, or do you usually do these sort of things alone? Mm. Sure. So, all right, so there's all my – that's uh, set you up with a whole bunch of stuff. So in answer to that question, um, I do investigate alone quite often. I consider myself a solo investigator because I do not have a team, um, but I also try to seek out people to investigate with, like, other te- teams or other people if I can. So it's about half yeah. and half right now. Um, so it wasn't, like – totally unusual that I was alone. I have investigated hotels and, and other safe places alone before, um, but uh, I don't know. I, it was just very alone. You know, like no, the no employee thing was like weird to me. But um, so, yes, I normally investigate alone or with other people that I can find, but I do not have a team currently. Um, so, and then that kind of segues into my process. I, I um, kind of learned uh, my ghost hunting process from the team that I joined back in 2008 and um, 2008 with paranormal media was like the golden age of like when TV, when ghost hunting TV was like really kicking off, you know, we had like ghost hunters, yeah. we had fear on MTV and ghost adventures was just starting. So basically my team and a lot of other teams at that time were approaching it like how the original ghost hunters team was approaching it, which was, um, very scientific, uh, quote unquote scientific, you know, very, um, equipment based. And, um, and that's how, that's how I learned to do it. I learned, um, all about my equipment. I learned how to, I have like, <laughs> this is very type A of me, but I have like spreadsheets where I'll like record temperature or people present or, um, the weather at the time or any, like any kind of like external, um, things that could affect my investigation, I'll put that down. I'll I'll record um, any activity I've already heard about, anything like that. So I'm very, like, organized when it comes to that. So that's what I'm referring to when I say my process would have probably looked like me walking around with an EMS meter trying to identify um, any normal sources of, um, like, electromagnetic fields. You know, so I, I probably yeah. would have gone around and, and kind of taken my notes like I normally do. But the equipment that I had with me, I carry, I have like about four different cases of equipment. But when I'm traveling, I carry a, a camera backpack with me that has like little compartments. And in that backpack, I have, um, gosh, what do I have? I have an EDI. I don't know if you know what that is. Um, kind of like a one-stop shop. It measures EMF humidity, temperature, vibration, like all sorts of stuff. Um, okay. I have a spirit box. I have a spirit box. Um, I have a REM pod, which is like motion sensor equipment, um, digital recorder, flashlight, standard stuff. Um, mostly what I what I love using lately, and I'm not the only one in the field, uh, but I love doing the ESSIS method. Um, yeah. Are you are you familiar with that? I assume. Oh yeah, all you gotta say is hell you're and people will yeah. <laughs> okay. people will know yeah. what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, the Estes method where okay, they run cool. the spirit box and the other person is uh, like is sensory deprived, so they yes. uh, yeah. they sort yeah. of just spit out whatever sort of shit. They they become like a transform like a I don't know what you'd call it, a transmitter or something. Um, 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Or that's that's the attempt. That's the that's the the hope or something. That's the idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so especially while I'm so while I'm alone investigating places, something I'll do is I'll go live with a second person, like a trusted another investigator, who will then mm-hmm. I will go under, so to speak. So I'll put the blindfold on and the headphones on and put my spirit box on, and then they will ask questions so that I have somebody asking questions, and then I can, you know, respond. Um, So I had all of that stuff with me that night and had intended to use it. I had intended to do um, an Estes session with my friend Sharice on Instagram Live, and um, I specifically chose not to do that because I was like, there is no way – Somebody couldn't have paid me to put a blindfold and noise-isolating headphones on in the Lizzie Borden house at that time. <laughs> like, absolutely yeah. not. Like, I don't want to take those blindfolds off and then have some have John the uncle standing in front of me. Um, but, yeah, so that's more or less the equipment that I had with me. My process probably would have been exploring the house a little bit more with that equipment. Um, but I did I, – my senses were – I was highly aware of my surroundings the entire time, so I did identify for myself, you know, what is the radiator knocking, what is a car noise, what is people noise on the street, you know. That's kind of my process, trying to differentiate between, you know, what is going to be normal things I experience tonight and and how can I tell paranormal things apart from that. So, yeah, that's about about it. I think I hit all your questions. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, you did great. one thing that sort of crossed my mind um, as we've been talking here, it didn't kind of dawn on me till now, was like it, when all this was happening, I feel like my maybe one of, could be because I'm prone to terror. So I think my one of my reactions might have been like, oh, shit, someone has broken into the house. Did that like thought ever mm-hmm. cross your mind like that? Okay. Not that this is a ghost that's walking around, but like someone got into the house. Like maybe someone is here. Like you never did that. Mm-hmm. Never cross your mind because I feel like then I would sort of go. I don't know what I would do to be honest. Now that I think about it, because then I'd be like, well, shit. If somebody broke in the house, I'm going to go fucking lock the door. So because they're eventually going to get around to this room, and I don't know what rob me or whatever, well, or yeah. or like yeah. this is a burglar. They're they're, somehow they know I'm the only one here, and they've broken into the house. They saw the guy leave. They don't know, you know, whatever. So it's like, did that ever cross your yeah. mind that maybe maybe this is a burglar? Um, like, yes and no. Uh, that's something that crosses my mind often, especially um, as, like, a female solo investigator. Um, but the way that the night had gone, I had taken a tour of the entire house, watched the guy leave, locked the door, went upstairs, and then I had, like, you know, heard stuff going on, then walked around the house again when I decided to turn all the lights off and then back on. And it was like I wasn't finding any human. Um, But I will admit later on in the night when it really just became too much, that thought did cross my mind more. And that is when I decided to close my bedroom door. And I actually ended up moving this, like, cat statue in front of the door because it was an element of, like, I need to be prepared for – that to be a possibility, um, just yeah. in case. So I did end up, so kind of, yeah, it did cross my mind, and I ended up barricading myself in the room because of that thought. But but also I did feel, like, pretty secure in that house um, just with the keypad entry. And, um, and I don't know, I think it was very unassuming that I was in there because I don't think yeah. anyone in that town would have expected 
it to just be one female chilling in there. So right, right, I don't know. Right. I, I felt relatively okay, but that thought of like, is this a real human or is this an animal? That also crosses my mind a lot being in a more abandoned locations and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely something I think about. But um, I was actually investigating a, a haunted inn in North Carolina just um, in September, and I was also alone there. And that's a massive place. That's, like, probably four times the size of Lizzie Borden House. And um, and I that house, I had more of a, shit, I hope that's not a person spot than, um, yeah. than the Lizzie Borden House. The Lizzie Borden House, it also, just that you, as you probably know, being in this field, it just, it was a feeling too, you know, like I was right, right. I'm like, uh, this doesn't feel like a person. Like, and I know what, I know what people feel like, and this is not it. Yeah. Right. That's kind of what I was getting at. Like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you just knew it wasn't a person, um, mm-hmm. you know, cause if you, cause if you felt like it was a person, I think the reaction would have been a lot different too. You know what I mean? Like, like I, like I said, mm-hmm. I like, I, I would like jump up and lock the door or, fucking call, call, call the cops or the number yeah. they gave me and be like, hey, someone's running around the fucking house right now and uh, you might want to send somebody over here because I'm the only one here. Yeah. Hopefully the number wasn't that. to the lady who runs the gift shop because then she would have been like, quit calling I'm, here. <laughs> it's a yeah, ghost. Leave me alone. Like, I got to co- yeah. commit at 10 o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, seriously. So in the list of things, this is interesting. I I, I noticed that um, I actually noticed this on Hellier, I think first, uh, but I I'm, I think I've brought it up with other people who do the ghost hunting stuff. Um, you mentioned in the in the list, in addition to all the gadgetry, you sort of have this old school approach where you mentioned tarot and oracle cards or pendulum. I guess how do you how do you sort of use that stuff in a in a ghost investigation? So, yeah, I'm still um, – I'm only a couple years into incorporating uh, divination or, like, magic, essentially, to investigating. Um, mm-hmm. Though I've been I've been using tarot cards and, and all that kind of stuff for um, over a decade, but I'm new to incorporating it into investigating, um, in part uh, inspired by Dana Newkirk from Hellier um, and right. uh, in part in, uh, – inspired by another girl I know online called the spirit tick. And I saw people, so basically I saw people using tarot cards on investigation. And so now I was like, I know how to use tarot cards. That makes sense. Um, I've, I've uh, tried to approach it a couple different ways, but what I found has been most useful for me is more of using them to gauge my own, basically how I relate to the situation that I'm in or like where I am mentally or kind of like, how I matter in the space versus reading the story of the of the supposed spirits that are present, and I I just haven't found much success. I think I'm maybe not um, an experienced tarot reader uh, enough to be able to actually read on like, you know, did you like what happened here? Did you kill somebody? I don't know. Like in answering that with divination, I can't do that yet. But um, I do find it very useful to get a good gauge on like basically my mental state or um, I don't know, just kind of any, anything I need to know about the scenario that I'm in, but more related to me and less to the spirits, which I know is different than how some other people use it on investigating. But yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's interesting. It, I was going to ask you that when you were talking about the your process. Um, now, you may not, like, write this down in your notes per se, but, like, I think, do you take stock of sort of, like, where you're at yourself? At, not, like, physically, but, like, emotionally, mentally, or whatever. Because uh, uh, I've talked about this a lot on the show. John Tenney and I were kind of talking about this last week. It's, like, a lot of the stuff... Uh, oftentimes people who experience these things, we talk about UFOs, but it could kind of apply to ghost activity or any of these, you know, a Bigfoot sighting or something like that. People talk about what they saw or experienced, and, um, and like, the, the there's very little introspection. They're not encouraged to <coughs> take stock of themselves, in a sense, and uh, it... it it seems the longer we look at this stuff, some of us old timers and everything, that there seems this is a sort of a <clears throat> an interactive experience. This is like a dance between you and whatever the phenomenon is. So it's like to to not take stock. And I mean, you you've done an amazing job, sort of of relaying that how that affected how what what place you were in when you were in the Lizzie Borden house. So. I guess I take it that that must be something that you're cognizant of when you do these investigations, that you're like, okay, this is, I'm in a good mood today. I'm in a bad mood today. This, you know, this mm. thing, you know, my car got a flat tire this morning before this thing, and this is on my mind. And that I brought that into the investigation with me, that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's something, that's actually an element of um, investigating or researching the paranormal that I really enjoy is, um, is, I guess observing how it I guess observing how my mental state affects affects the phenomenon but also how that affects and and how how much our um how much psychologically it all is kind of connected and like I don't know it's it's very fascinating and I'm not an academic I don't have um I don't have a an educate like a I don't have a higher education behind me, um, but I enjoy researching um, this kind of stuff anyway, which is kind of where I go with the paranormal ponder thing. Um, But the Lizzie Borden house, for instance, is a very good example of how my um, state of being really played into how I was reacting to the paranormal activity there. But also I feel like it had... Um, a hand in how the paranormal activity manifested as well. And so um, I have done a lot of thinking on that. And, like, it, it's hard to ignore that, as I said, I was alone in this house across the country, and there was images and things all around me that were contributing to feeling fearful and um, feeling anxious and um, having to discern, you know, what is, like, a normal psychological reaction to these, this scary situation and what is actually um, paranormal. And, uh, and then being in that state of mind, I think, also kind of fed into this manifestation of, like, like almost like my state of mind had been manifested outwardly in a sense. And then there was everything else that's there, too, maybe an intelligent spirit, Maybe all the people who have investigated it, you know, it's just this amalgamation of energy there. And then I'm scared myself, and then I'm feeding it, and then and then it's like a part of me as well, you know. So it, it, it's I could go on forever. I will stop there. But, yeah. Um, 
it, it's <laughs> something I really enjoy about the paranormal field and something I feel like should be given more attention in any of like in the occult in general um, is, is how big of a part we play in it. And it, it's just not given enough attention, I think, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, it's sort of like people are kind of coming around on that in the last few years, but it's like you look back on some of these older events, and it's like very often people didn't ask the right questions of the people who had these experiences. Maybe we would have, maybe we would have gotten some kind of insight that would add in, information to the case. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah. It's also interesting. You made a point too. I was kind of thinking of this, uh, thinking about this experience you had. Um, the energy, like it, may, it also may be like you said before, you didn't think it was like any sort of like uh, residual like loop type thing. But there may be, it, it it may not even have been like the ghosts of the people who were murdered or whatever. Maybe there's some kind of also like a residual energy, just of all the people that have passed through this house, you know? Because mm-hmm. it's like there's, yeah. I mean, when I was there, there was probably like eight to ten of us on a tour. This was like mid. COVID, so it was like, they, I think they even kept it to a minimum, and but I mean, that was like eight people on just that one tour, like at two in the afternoon or whatever on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and it's like, so one imagines that like thousands, maybe even millions of people have passed through this house, have done the tour in the house, so it's like, mm-hmm. one assumes that there must be some kind of like energy imbued into the residence from that. Oh, absolutely. And not even just from the tours given, but also especially from the ghost hunters who are renting the space and who are running around there, like, making a monkey dance, essentially, being like, there's so much energy injected into a place like Lizzie Borden. And you see it, too, in, like, Waverly Hills and, you know, all these other, like, very famous um, haunted locations. And it really, like... I don't know the answer if it was an intelligent spirit connected to the house or if it was just all of that human energy. And that is even more fascinating to me and kind of what makes me want to continue um, experiencing it and continue researching it because the possibilities are really endless and we really don't know for sure, you know, but it really felt like it was some kind of like, like slip, like not a time slip, but like a vortex. It was just very weird the vibe there that I got, and I didn't, I didn't necessarily think that like Lizzie Borden is tromping around, looking at me, saying, "What are you doing right. in the house?" Like it's, I definitely think it, it's more complex than that. But, but who really knows, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's. It's definitely it's odd. It's a it's a hell of a story. I really do. Uh, I keep coming. We keep talking about other stuff. I keep coming <laughs> coming back to it with like, well, wait a minute now. Did you think about the driveway? But it's I'm really I'm, I'm really I'm really fascinated by it. And uh, and and the my memory of the place was so fresh that um, that yeah yeah I'm still kind of like uh, taken by this tale. Um, now I mentioned this. I sent you a heads up today about this because uh, I found sometimes when you sometimes you can ask a question from a guest. After 15 plus years, folks, I finally figured this out. I'm real professional. Um, but I, I sometimes when you ask a guest like, "Oh, what's your favorite thing?" or whatever, it's like it, you, you tend to put them on the spot, and then they then you don't necessarily get 
the best answer. And I've been in this position myself, so uh, on the receiving end of that. And, you know, they're like, oh, what's your favorite story you've written for Coast to Coast? And it's like, um, uh, you know, and then you hang up the phone. You're like, I should have told the story about this. So I, I, yeah. I gave Amanda a heads up because in her bio, it's, it sounds almost ominous. It, just, it, caught, it caught my attention. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, what are you, what are you doing? Um, it says uh, that that she became I. She says I I became known for igniting igniting. That's the ominous part. I became known for igniting paranormal centered philosophical discussion through my posts on social media. This is like I think you said in 2020. Um, mm-hmm. So what 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 does that mean? What kind of what kind of paranormal centered philosophical discussion were you were you igniting that you became known for? Oh sure. Well, um, no, being known for it, I maybe I was stretching that a bit on, on the bio. But, uh, yeah, but it sounded I, like scandalous. Kind of, That's kind of why. I, yeah, because at first I'm like, <laughs> what, what did you what did you post that be that, that was so? I, I, that, a, yeah, all right. I'm a very dramatic writer, um, but <laughs> so, um, but I mean, I I sort of started becoming synonymous i don't know the right word but um people knew that i was i had a tendency to spark um philosophical discussions regarding paranormal activity and experiencing and investigating paranormal activity and i um you know i wanted to take a medium like instagram and kind of dig deeper into the you know what does us experiencing this activity mean and how is it going to affect our view on life and death and, you know, the, the really the deep stuff about um, experiencing so much paranormal um, phenomena in one's lifetime, mostly geared towards other people who are um, maybe a bit more than an enthusiast, but also investigating. And um, that really uh, came from the reason why I am interested in the paranormal, which, is, um, which stems from a, a fear of death. And um, I talk very openly about, you know, how I am very scared of dying. I don't want to die. I'm still kind of trying to come to terms with the concept of death, and it's something that I've really struggled with um, over my my lifetime so far. And my digging into the paranormal has been kind of um, a search for self and a search for, like, my understanding of death and kind of, like, coming to terms with my own mortality and so because that is the root of why I'm interested in this field, um, I, I do like to use my Instagram captions where I can write um, a whole bunch of stuff. And I like to use that to kind of poke at people and to say, think harder about why this happened, think harder about how you reacted, it, re- reacted to it, and think harder about what you're going to do with that afterwards. You know, like why are, why are we doing this in, in – how is it affecting us? So hopefully that answered your question. Um, but, yeah, I'd say known for maybe just more um, I, the people that know me in the field um, have known that that is something that I like to do, which is to talk more deeply about um, about the paranormal. And it, it's something that fulfills me and helps me come to terms with my own mortality. All right. Why do you think you're afraid of dying? Oh man. Um well like the is it the unknown of it all that that leaves you un, unsettled? 
I think part of it, the part of it that I still need to work on within myself is probably ego and the fact that I have a hard time coming to terms with the fact that I will one day cease to exist in this world that I've come to know. Um, okay. And that the people that I, I know and love also will just become, in a sense, this is going to come off harsh, I, but in a sense will become irrelevant. Like everyone dies. We've, you know, the service has been around for however long and um, one day I won't be here. And then one day, hundred years down the road, people won't remember who I was. And that is an ego problem that I, I, not a problem, but just something about my ego that I'm learning to confront. Um, but also on top of that, I just personally have not experienced a lot of death in my life, knock on wood. Okay. Um, okay. But it's something, it's something that for some reason, thankfully, has um, kind of steered clear of, of my life. And I still, I was raised by my grandmother, um, which it, it's a very, um, there's multiple layers. It's an onion. Um, but I was also raised by my grandmother, who uh, is basically my mom. And so I have to come to terms also with the fact that she will be here for less of an amount of time than if she were my mom. I would have longer time with her if she was a little bit younger. Um, so I have to, you know, prepare for the day that, you know, one day she won't be here. And then also I just haven't really lost very many people over time. As they've gotten older, I've lost a friend here here or there. Um, but but overall, it's just something that I've not been exposed to. And so in turn, I've, I've, it, there's been a fear created around it and a, and gotcha. kind of like a, a misunderstanding of, of what it means. You know, I, I don't know. And then, and then on top of all that, I was raised Baptist. Um, so I also was very religious and had to kind of deconstruct my own, um, you know, religious up, upbringing uh, when I was about 18. So there's a lot that goes into that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, my involvement in the paranormal, um, I mean, I, I did experience paranormal activity back when I was like seven um, was when I lived in a haunted house, a very, very average kind of um, origin story there. But um, over time, I stayed interested because I just kind of wanted to I just I don't want to be afraid of the inevitable, and I want to kind of understand as much as I possibly can as I'm living about what else could possibly be out there and what else could possibly be after. So, okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Deep well, stuff. I'm like, <laughs> we gotta spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens! What kind of radio show is this? Yeah, I hope I didn't like strike a nerve there or something, but I have a feeling you probably no, talked about all. this a I lot. Love it. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, the yeah, well, it's interesting. I'm a decade older than you, almost uh, about twelve, ten or eleven years, so a little bit, a little over a decade older than you. And I can only say that, like, uh, I find I'd be interesting, interested in hearing and Copley in the chat. Maybe he can chime in on this. Um, but I was thinking about it, and it's like. Yeah, as you, it feels like as you get older, you start to experience death a lot more, and I, uh, it must happen like in your thirties or something, because I don't remember it really, kind of coming into focus until the last like five or six years. But all of a sudden, it's like people, not even like loved ones necessarily, but just people you know start to die, especially in this field. Like I've, I've, we we laugh about it like in almost a sad sort of way, but like on the show here. Like, I've I've had at least a dozen guests who've died over the years. Some people who I talked to 
dozens of times that like just uh people have spent Stan Friedman I probably I probably talked to him probably close to like 20 hours of of uh, conversation with him he passed away a few, so you just kind of like over time it's like oh this person died and that and you just kind of almost become numb to it um as more as as these as these dead people start piling up which sounds extra mm-hmm. macabre but but I, I I think you know what I mean and then it's like Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's like as you get older, then all of a sudden, <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed this, then like celebrities start dying, and then it's like, oh shit. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and one day you kind of look around, and you're like, <laughs> you, I'm still pretty young, so I'm, I'm not there yet. But you get to a point, I imagine, where it's just like I'm, <laughs> you know, there's less of me, yeah. there's less of my my people of my time period now than than there were. Than the, you know, then there are all the other people, all the other people who are working yeah. young and have their whole lives ahead of them. So I don't know. Yeah. I guess you kind of you're forced to come to grips with it almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yes, that's a very good point. And and so maybe these thoughts that I'm having would have come organically down the road about you know, like I would have slowly kind of come to terms with mortality down the road as I started losing people more often, but. Um, I suppose I I was exposed to the other side also so early on that I it stuck with me and I was like, well, what if there what you know, like yes, I know one day we'll all have to die. What if there's more to that? What if what if you don't actually die? What if you go somewhere? What if I don't know all of the possibilities? You know, what if aliens and yeah. whatever else and uh, and so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was saying that. But um, and then on top of that, I should say too, um, my kind of deeper look at it, or like the tendency I have to like really pull things apart and and look at them like this, also comes from um, my mom being an addict when I was uh, very young, and I had like um, I guess by definition like a traumatic childhood that then later on had me thinking, you know, did I actually really experience um, a ghost or was I trying to escape reality? You know, like all of those kind of conversations as well um, that, yeah, it all kind of mixed up together into today. And and really I only started kind of coming into myself as a paranormal investigator in the last two years really, but like just, I'd say three years overall um, as far as like what my purpose in investigating was. And I'm like, I guess if I can help people talk about this, like talk about the death element to paranormal investigating, like then I'm doing something right, I guess, (laughs) because before I'd been adrenaline, I adrenaline chasing. I was just a ghost hunter kind of chasing a thrill kind of like, that's how my team was. You know, we just kind of wanted to, see a ghost and get spooked and whatever. And um, I don't know. It's just been, it's been a whole journey. And I feel like it, it feels like every couple months I have, I have a new realization or a new thing to add to all of that or a new way to explain it. You know, I'm constantly growing. I, I'm trying to, you know, and I'm learning more all the time. And, and then shit like Hellier comes out and it's, it, people are making influential in the paranormal world now too and it's just like mind-blowing and so i'm trying to soak it all in you know yeah it's a great time to it's a great time to be in the paranormal that's for sure um and Mm -hmm. it's an interesting 
what I find um, interesting, it's one of the things that sort of has helped me, I guess. The paranormal has helped me uh, not be afraid of dying in a sense where it's like, look, I want to know the answer to all this stuff. So I'm going to have to assume that when I die, I'll be able to find out the answer to all that stuff. So dying isn't such a <laughs> dying isn't so isn't isn't as bad as as uh, you know. At least I have something to look forward to. I guess that's yeah. kind of like my my mindset on it. Which a lot of people, if they yeah. don't, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of people they may not have that. They may be like, well, what the hell, what good is it when I die? Because, you know, I'll, I'll be dead or whatever. And it's like, well, I'll be able to see what happened at Roswell, or I'll be able to find out what, if Bigfoot's real, and I'll be able I'll yeah. be able to answer all this shit that I've been wondering for, like, decades. So, yeah. 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 I God, I hope we get to find out some of that stuff while we're living, too, though. <laughs> Hopefully some little nugget of, you know, maybe – yeah. Somebody finally catches yeah. Bigfoot, or somebody finally <coughs> Roswell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, the most yeah. Well, the most terrifying thought about death is just like the idea that that's it. That it just you die and yeah. your consciousness ends and you're that's it. It's over. To me, that's mm-hmm. like that's. I, I try not even to think about that because that's the terrifying. Yeah. That's, that's the scariest exactly, possibility. Yeah. Yep. Yep, I feel the same exact way. That it, that it's terrifying to think that it could just be over and then there's nothing, which is where the paranormal comes in handy because it really gives you hope <laughs> that there's something weirder after. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm sure you get this question all the time. So, like, what do you – you've been on all these investigations. So what do you think this – what do you think these, these ghosts are? I mean, I know there's all kinds of theories like the stone tape theory and sort of like the – this idea is, you know, that there are sort of these patterns of energy or in some cases they're, they're sort of like some kind of consciousness from the other side. I mean, do you sort of just subscribe to the all of the above, uh, you know, theory in a sense? Yeah. So I guess it's kind of a boring answer, but I do sort of believe that it's, there's a possibility it's, it's all of it because uh, I feel like I've seen a little bit of, of all of it. Um, I think that the... I think the human mind uh, plays a lot bigger part in a lot of activity. Um, I think we're capable of a lot more than we give ourselves credit for. Um, But I have also had experiences where, you know, like, um, gosh, my my boyfriend's um, dad uh, visited one time, and it was like the activity was, without a doubt, um, an intelligent spirit. So... um, you know, I've seen a little bit of everything, and I think anything is, is possible. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I just really don't yeah, know. I guess kinda... I'm just I'm, – I'm really – yeah, I'm really in a place right now, I guess, where I'm okay not knowing. I'm still, I'm still trying to retain more experiences and more knowledge and, um, and kind of finding peace within the uncertainty of what a ghost really is, but also understanding that a ghost is a ghost. Like there are ghosts. It does. It, the experiences I've had have been real and they have been outside of what's normal or outside of what we, what we perceive as possible um, in this reality. So yeah, all of the above, I guess, (laughs) the long and the short of it, um, all of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's fi- that's perfectly fine. I, I'm of the same mindset. It makes the most sense, and I've I, I've used this sort of uh, comparison on with regards to UFOs, but the more I think about it, it really applies to ghosts as well, where it's like it, I, you almost got to think of them like as like clouds. It's like all these different kinds of clouds, mm-hmm. and they do different things. And, may, and I'm sure, like, at some point in the distant past, they didn't know shit about clouds. So, like, they didn't know, like, oh, this kind of cloud is this, you know, now they know, and they have names for yeah. them and everything. So I, I think it's kind of like that, where it's like this is a this is a puffy a puffy ghost. This is the kind that yeah. that is, <laughs> is stuck in the spot where it spent all of its days. So it's, uh, you know, but this is a, uh, well, they do have, you know, like a stone tape, you know, they have these sort of names for them. So there's different kinds of phenomena more than likely um mm-hmm. yeah so it's uh it's interesting what's really been interesting too maybe you can speak a little bit to this because i've i've noticed this uh in the last few years we talked about it sort of with the spiritual with the spiritualism the there's a sort of when the ghost hunting thing first became a, a big thing like around the turn of the century like 20 years ago now or something, when the reality shows got big and Ghost Hunters were one of the first ones, and that was like the first paranormal one that started a lot of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From what I can recall, I didn't, I never got into the scene. Uh, I never really ever got into ghost hunting, so, uh, but I know a lot of people in it, and I know of the field pretty well. But it, it always sort of seemed like, okay, we're, this is, you kind of alluded to this, where it's like, we're science, this is a science, we're science ghost hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, like we were talking about, there's more of a, this more of an occult bent to it, um, that mm-hmm. seems to have come about in more recent times. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's probably a lot, uh, I mean, especially in the last two years where we've seen a lot of people, um, kind of become more spiritual, for probably a lot of different, like, reasons, being what we went through in 2020 and stuff. Like, just people are becoming more spiritual as it is, kind of wanting to regain power, which is where you find the, uh, where you find people looking into the occult and into magic and, and spiritualism in that way, because I feel like it gives you a little bit more power versus traditional, like, Christianity or Catholicism. But, um, yeah, I think that's incorporating into the paranormal field a lot more now than it used to. And definitely different from when, say, Ghost Hunters was on TV really um, preaching, like, the idea of this um, this thing or, like, you know, a part of science that we don't understand yet, which I, I still kind of like that idea that, like, one day maybe we'll understand more about paranormal activity and it will kind of become a science more than the, the pseudoscience that it is now. Um, but... I really love the turn that it's all taking um, with the incorporation of um, more like occult based um, religious or like practices, you know, more ritual, more um, magic and stuff. I, I like that, but I wasn't always like that. I definitely had the, the more ghost hunter um, upbringing in my investigating style, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very interesting. Yeah, because I don't, I don't remember. Like I said, I've been watching this sort of since it started, and yeah, all of a sudden, a few years ago, I was like, I started seeing more of that. Well, I wonder why. My cynical theory is like, okay, well, these people who ghost hunt, um, 
or ghost hunters, like, uh, this is a generalization. I'm not talking about you, man. I'm just sort of like ghost sure. hunters. Like, maybe they rant, like, like, like you can only, like, you can only investigate with equipment and everything for so long, I guess is the point. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. you could do, like, because I think I said, I said this a while back to somebody on the show. It might have been Greg Newkirk, but it's like at one point, like you have hun- you have hundreds of people out every weekend trying to get ghosts. Like, at what point do you does the dog catch the car? Like, why? Like, what's what's like? What is what are you trying to get? Like, why haven't uh, you know? And I wonder if it's like okay, so maybe as a collective, sort of the field kind of reached this point where it was like, look, we got all the fucking EVPs. Like, we have thousands of EVPs. We have all this stuff, but we're not any. We're not any closer to knowing what ghosts are, or being able to sort of manifest them, or, or you know, cross and cross over whatever to get this. You know, we like we're still chasing, we're still hunting the ghosts. So we yeah. need we need something better, something different. We need to change the approach, and then maybe that kind of led to the adoption of more occult practices. Yeah, I feel like there's probably a few reasons, but I feel like that's that's probably the biggest, like needing to kind of seek out a more, um, yeah, I mean, I was going to say ritualistic approach to it, but maybe not even that so much as just like a um, need for a deeper understanding of it. And the only way to really do that in the occult field is to incorporate magic or spiritual, like whatever your spiritual belief is. I feel like that can like, enrich it enrich the experience so that completely makes sense i think and and also like you said there is a point too uh where i think ghost hunters have just ghost hunted themselves out and it's like i want i feel like that's kind of what happened to me it's like okay i've done the ghost hunting thing and i i still need i need a little bit more like what is the purpose of all this what do i do with this now and then um exposing myself to the the media that's out there now online um, and seeing the encouragement of like incorporating things like tarot or things like ritualistic magic and, and stuff like that has opened my mind up. And like, and now I would say that I've actually experienced almost more, if not as the same amount of um, amazing, like magical experiences I've had as I have had um, paranormal, like just very traditional ghost experiences, like, you know, synchronicities and um like anything that's kind of like other that's not just a ghost but that is an experience um is very fulfilling and just as exciting as chasing the ghost so yeah there there's a lot i'm sure there could be a study or there probably is a study on on why that shift has happened in the last couple years or last few years especially i do also think though on the you mentioned greg newkirk but i do think the hell your crew did kind of um help pioneers that um kind of mixing of those worlds uh with how oh, yeah, popular sure. their their project has been because they, they kind of they kind of opened a door and like sort of held everyone's hand and went through it and was like this is okay now and like that's important to do um in media you know to be like oh okay i feel more comfortable you know you see somebody else wear something crazy and then you feel like you can wear that too it's, it's just that and i feel like so when their project came out whenever that was probably had a big part to do with it. And then on top of that, 
what we've been through as a society in the last handful yeah. of years too. Yeah, and and wanting to seek out more fulfilling spiritual experiences. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely sort of like, I was going to say holistic, but I don't know if that's the right word, but it's like maybe also it's sort of like, okay, let's let's take this pursuit of trying to find answers and, and, and like go the reverse of what we've been doing. Like we use all this modern technology. It's like, but now let's try this with like – with like a Ouija board and tarot cards mm-hmm. and uh you know you say on the thing that you're not a big fan of dowsing but you know all the different sort of classic uh weird little old tiny um you know I'm surprised people haven't what's that old thing like table tapping or whatever or something like that I'm surprised people yeah. haven't tried to yeah. I bet you there are people that do that but yeah I'm, I'm surprised sure, people yeah. haven't tried to yeah. revive that yet but it's like yeah maybe Go if we go old school, it'll it'll uh, we'll get some different sort of thing, you know. Because I think we're all yeah. kind of looking for something different, you know. Yeah. Yep. That for sure. It kind of reminds me of like um, the resurgence of vinyl records, um, handful of years back, and how that, but because it has a fuller sound, you know. Like we're like going back in the paranormal field to so, like wait a second, what they were doing back then was kind of neat and like could could offer us something different, but yeah. I, and it's really encouraging though. I think that the paranormal field is in a really good spot right now. I mean, there's still some stuff that you don't want to see. Um, like there is a little bit of a resurfacing of satanic panic happening and that's not great to see, but overall I feel like the paranormal field is, um, is about to really change the game. And, um, and uh, it's really fun to see, online um a good group of people just really pioneering for looking at things a different way and i really appreciate that yeah well the paranormal is interesting because um i don't know if you've kind of noticed this uh but like again i'm like 10 years older than you so maybe you maybe you didn't see you probably recognize this sort of social shift where it was like uh, our geek culture is now is cool. Like, and before mm-hmm. it was like, you know, it was like nerds and jocks. It was like <laughs> that was the old, you know, that was the classic sort of uh, archetype. And now it's like, now it's like with Comic Con and, and everything. It's like geek culture is is celebrated and 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 beloved and and rightfully so. I mean, I'm a geek, so I'm into all kinds of, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a pro wrestling fan, so. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can appreciate when any marginalized group gets uh, gets appreciated by the greater society. So I do sometimes think and see the possibility that the paranormal is going to wind up on that same path, if you will. That And, it, and yeah. at times it does happen where, like, ghost hunting was really cool. And it, it still is kind of, like, seen that way. Like, these, like, re, you know, mm-hmm. random shows, like, like bad reality shows, like Real Housewives of... Or whatever they'll yeah. you know they'll go on a ghost hunt or whatever it's like so it is it does kind of have that that cachet and I think it may move even further into mainstream acceptance within the umbrella of sort of like geek culture if you will. That's true. Yeah, I could see that, and I I already see that happening on TikTok, for instance. Um, and there there is kind of an element of like commodification when that happens, like making it a commodity and like. Sometimes that's not all a great thing. I mean, everything has good and bad. Um, 
I can see the paranormal um, becoming even more popular um, I, in the years moving forward. I think what's probably going to happen is that um, we're going to see a lot of approach to it, like, you know, demons and, and evil versus good and kind of, it, you know, the Conjuring uh, universe films have kind of helped move that along, and I love those films. But, like, um, I do see kind of that becoming more popular, like the very badass, like you're in all black and, like, you're ready to go fight the ghost, like that's probably going to become a bigger thing soon. But I I am hopeful in that I'm seeing, a, like, a – a subsect of that that's not really commodified right now, that's not super popular yet, and I think would take a long time to get popular, is this community online that's looking at the interconnectedness of all the phenomena and accepting how much the UFO crowd and the cryptid crowd and the, and the ghost crowd all have to do with one another. And um, that I would love to see more attention on, but unfortunately I think it's going to look a little bit different. Um, but whatever you know yeah. it, it is weird how the tides how the tides change and now with uh with technology moving at such a rapid rate and social media just dominating um any media you know i mean it's it's more yeah. uh more influential than tv now you know and it's like uh that's going to be it's going to be interesting things are going to move really fast i think with like what is what trends and what what's cool and it's just going to be very it's going to cycle very quickly it's interesting to think about yeah yeah it is uh yeah when then it like everybody's doing something and then <laughs> yeah <laughs> then then once yeah. it reaches like your like like my brother or whatever then it's like yeah dude it's not that's not cool anymore stop <laughs> stop tebowing or yeah. whatever <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting well one of the things that kind of really turned me off uh, of the ghost hunting scene when I was sort of, like I said, I've been doing this for like 15 years. So I've been, I've been, uh, part of the whole, and probably part of the whole scene, I guess you could say for like 20. So I've seen, I've seen a lot of shit. So, um, one of the things that really kind of turned me off at the beginning over the years was just like this, the ghost hunting thing, kind of like what you talked about, where it was like, everybody seemed like that everybody had to have their own little gang, and, the, and they were always just like it just came off as like super cheesy, and they all had like logos, and it was just it was all very just cheesy. It was like, oh god, I get it. Okay, so you're the Massachusetts ghost investigation team, and it was like they always it was like human nature. They were more interesting. The inner workings of the groups were always more interesting than the investigations because it was like. The Massachusetts ghost hunting investigation team has disbanded because Cheryl dumped me and took my cat. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. I want to hear more about Cheryl taking the cat than I do with these EVPs. Yeah. Like, what happened, Bryson? So, so yeah. that, that, that kind of always got me about the ghost hunting world. And I guess it just yeah. all stems from the TAPS people and how they're – you know, yeah. they're an organization, and so it. we have to be an organization and that kind of thing. That's exactly how it was with my first with my team that I was on. So yeah, absolutely, and that's how I at the time thought it was supposed to be. Like I, I didn't really have I, and I also am from Montana, so I was in a 
untapped wannabe ghost hunting group, which were great people and taught me a lot. But, like, we were definitely going by the um, template that was, like, ghost hunters in the TAPS team. Um, yeah. And I kind of I kind of held true to that for, like, a while um, until, like I said, the last few years I finally felt like I've been exposed to enough that I, I'm – a very liminal person, honestly. I'm in, I'm transitioning into um, and out of that corny ghost hunter path, but I'm not. But I don't shy away from you know admitting like that's where my roots are with ghost hunting, and and that's okay. Like and it's and I want to try to tell people you know it's okay to change and to learn new things and to change your approach and your point of view and stuff, and that's totally fine, you know. And uh, yeah, ghost hunting is kind of corny sometimes. <laughs> And, um, but, but there's different ways to do it for everyone. And you can basically do whatever the hell you want, as long as you're not harming yourself or other people, like do whatever works, you know? But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not, yeah, it's funny. It's like, I, I don't blame, I don't even necessarily blame the, the, the ghost hunting groups. It's like you were saying, it's like, uh, like we were both kind of saying, it's like they, it, they just, they were just kind of doing what they thought was the, was the way it was supposed to be done, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, we need a group. We need matching shirts. We need, like, and it's like, you don't need matching shirts. Just, like, get out there and, and go yeah. do it. You don't need. You don't all need to be wearing the same uniform or anything. It's like, you know, you're spending, you're spending way too much time arguing about the logo. Like, <laughs> you, you could Just have already done, like, three investigations yeah. in the past month, but, you, but every weekend you guys hang around the bar and fight over the logo. So what... <laughs> what, what, what kind of ghost hunting group is this? Oh man! Do you see that in the UFO crowd? Are there UFO teams that have matching shirts, or is it there's pretty not, much there's exclusive? More big Bigfoot. Like I've noticed it now oh, more yeah. with the Bigfoot people. Like uh, there'll be different sort of localized Bigfoot groups where they'll go out. And, the, the Bigfoot and the ghost thing is remarkably similar. Because uh, <laughs> even down to like the, I think yeah, even down to sort of the language of the two communities, or it's like they're mm-hmm. ghost hunters and there's Bigfoot hunters. They're not literal hunters per se, I don't think, but yeah. uh, but you know they yeah. go out into the woods to find Bigfoot. UFOs are a little more yeah. ephemeral, so it's like hard to really go UFO hunting, but people do. Um, oh yeah. But with yeah, so I don't see so, as many. Localized, because with UFOs, there's uh, this MUFON group, which is like the national brand, and they sort of have their own little franchises in each state. So it's really hard for anyone to form their own UFO group, I guess you could say. They could, and some do, but more often than not, they just go and sign up at MUFON, pretty much. Uh, I see. And MUFON is very, it's the whole database of like all the, that's where you can find like a bunch of weird sightings. Are are had correct? I think I yeah, pretty that much. Correctly. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a whole. Yeah, Mufon uh, is a whole kettle of fish. You could write a whole book on Mufon. <laughs> it's a uh, it's an interesting. <laughs> Jack Brewer probably will someday, and God bless him. But yeah, Mufon is is an old timey like from the 1970s organization that's like lasted forever, and it's uh it's it's <laughs> it's rife <laughs> with all sorts of intrigue and scandal, and um. <laughs> You know, crazy, crazy shit, and it's just, it's got a whole rich history of uh, zaniness to it, so. But, yeah, they're they're sort of the big dog of, uh, 
But like up here, like in Massachusetts, there's a group called like Squatchachusetts, and they they go out and do the they go out and do Bigfoot hunts and shit. So yeah, you know, love it. Now you mentioned here. Uh, you, <laughs> I was joking with you before we started the show. I'm really interested, sort of, because you, you, I feel like you almost represent like a whole different generation than than me because I I can like barely I pretty much just stay on Twitter, um, and and shit post on Twitter and kind of just make noise and cause trouble on there. And I I hate Facebook. <laughs> I don't even like. I just loathe Facebook. Um, for obvious reasons, and just because it sucks, like it's not even, mm-hmm. it's not even like that user friendly anymore. It's just like yeah. shitty. Yeah. You know, I often complain. Like I'll go on there. I I have to for work, so I have to have a kind of have to be on there and shit. So I'll go on and I'll see the timeline. And it's like, here's a post from four days ago. Here's a post from forty five minutes ago. Here's a post from two days ago. <laughs> it's like this doesn't make yeah. any sense. Like like I need structure, and you can go and change it. They tell me to to chronological, but, like, as soon as you leave Facebook, as soon as you close that window, you come back, they've switched it back to the thing. So every time you yeah. have to set it to chronological, so it's like, it's like fuck, fuck you. I'm not doing this. I, 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 I'm fed up. Yeah. So that's my, that's yeah. my Facebook rant. So I, at least with Twitter, you, uh-huh. they stick to the chronological. Um, mm-hmm. But here I am. I'm looking at your stuff, and I was saying to you before we did the show, you're so prolific with Instagram and TikTok that it's like we could do a whole show on just the just your Instagram page. Like there's there's so much stuff mm-hmm. to talk about there. And there there's so much stuff to talk about with your TikTok page. I guess talk a little bit sort of enlighten me as to like cuz this is like a whole different world to me this TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. I <laughs> I see it's becoming more and more um you know significant in culture. So it's like shit. I, mm-hmm. I I feel out of the loop in the same way I feel out of the loop when I like see people on TV that they're like YouTube star uh, like James Charles. I think it's the only it's the only oh that says about me, but that's the only YouTube st- yeah. <laughs> star I know is James Charles. So it's like you know, it's like he has like seven million followers, like viewers. Like who the fuck? Like so then I find out you know there's this whole world of of of, uh, of stars and people that I have no. Yeah idea exists and the and the people who know who they are like the young people who only only watch James Charles and some of the I'm trying to think of who the other people are like um it's just some, James a couple Charles of twins <laughs> just who's the guy with the crazy hair uh like Jeffries or something so that's just like in oh, yeah, the yeah. in the in in that sphere. There's all different communities. I mean there's a the UFO community like that. There's a different but there's and the people who only know these Jake Paul, that's the that's one of the famous ones. So like the people who only know mm-hmm. these people, to so the people who Jake Paul is like a huge star. I've even seen this in places. They don't know, they don't they have no cultural connection to me. It's so bizarre because they're like, who's Demi Moore? It's like, what do you mean you don't know who Demi Moore is, dude? Like Demi Moore from fucking like all these different movies. Now I can't think of any, but it's like they don't. So like anyone who isn't super famous right now, they have seem to have no mm-hmm. recollection of, which is. So bizarre, and uh, Copley in the chat's calling me boomer, but I, I probably uh, I'm, I'm probably more of just an angry uh, Gen Xer. So I guess talk a little bit about this TikTok. What's it like over there in TikTok? What is what's the interface like, and sort of what's the community like? Sure. Uh, so I'll preface this by saying um, I am not considered 
anything on TikTok. Like, I have 25,000, uh, I think they're called, not subscribers, followers on TikTok, but um, but there are, like, 12-year-olds who have, like, a million. So, I mean, I'm small yeah. potatoes there. Uh, and I am even I am even a bit old, I feel like, to be in that TikTok community. Um, however, I do feel like short video format um, as a as a creative medium is really cool, and that's kind of what drew me to TikTok. Um, I love just making little aesthetic videos or or doing a hot take on on what I think about egregores or whatever. Um, so I love the medium, but the community there is very young. And um, it's yeah. just very, and and the the young people right now, um, Gen Z, is I I think because they've grown up on the internet, they look for anything that's presented to them online. They look at as fact in that moment, and so um, there's just a lot of misinformation. A lot of people kind of trying to um, talk on authority on subjects that they really just saw another video of it and under, like thought they understood it and then make video of it. And so there are there's some problematic elements to TikTok. But overall, I do think that um, if anyone is interested in persisting on social media in the next decade or two, I, I think TikTok's going to be a very big part of that. I think it's probably going to be like the next Instagram in a way. Um, and yeah. just the sheer volume of people that are on TikTok, and even if they're a lot of them are younger, I mean, it, um, it's not. Uh, I think it was created in China or whatever, but it's it, it's a huge platform, and it's um, yeah, I don't know, and it and it, it it shows a lot of stuff that other social media platforms cannot. Like I've seen a lot of things about protests and about like just very real accounts of like it's just a 20-second video of something exactly how it happened, you know? So like it's also kind of changing the the um, way that journalism is done almost like in, in terms of news and stuff. But in the paranormal community, um, a lot of TikTok is looking like uh, investigating demons who possess boxes and, and kind of silly stuff like that. But yeah. I'm more active on Instagram to be honest, um, but I did just get into Twitter recently. My my approach to social media is is kind of weird. When I started Pretty F and Spooky, I really just needed um, an outlet for my strange interest. Like I I didn't know really what I was doing. I was just like I need a creative outlet. I've always been an artist, but I'm like I need something somewhere to put that I'm into ghosts somewhere. Like I yeah. need people to know this. Like I want it out there. And and then it grew, and then I and then Pretty F and Spooky kind of started to become its own thing, and it started kind of being almost a brand in a way, you know. Like I was Pretty F and Spooky was outside of myself in, in a sense, and and in ways at certain moments in time, I've been overwhelmed by that because I I didn't want to ever be a social media influencer, which is different. So that's the person who really wants to influence people uh, via social media. I just wanted to. Um, feel accepted to meet other people who were into what I was into and, you know, expose myself to more experiences and like be able to, basically I started social media because I wanted to meet people who would then help me investigate more because I had kind of been out of the game for a bit and I, um, I wanted to get back into it more. And so that was my whole purpose. And then pretty up and spooky grew beyond that. And I'm 
I'm so grateful for it because I have done and I've done amazing things, met amazing people since, but, um, but even myself, I'm not super, uh, up to date on like all the social media platforms. Like I, like I said, I just started on Twitter, like 500 followers there, which I'm loving Twitter, by the way, I can't believe it took me this long to get on Twitter, but, but overall, I mean, I just want to, I want to help create community within the paranormal field. Um, and, and I also want to be a part of community and it, it's very nice to find that in these different platforms. TikTok's tough, though, because it's just a lot of teens, a lot of young people. makes me even feel old. But, yeah, you kind but of confirmed, okay. in a sense, my suspicions of what it must be like, because that's sort of my impression of it, um, where it definitely feels sort of like a fledgling, or like a baby YouTube in a way, where it was like a lot of mm-hmm. people are – because what I do, I write for Coast to Coast, so I, I see a lot of weird videos and stuff of like, oh, this is a Bigfoot or this is like a UFO I saw or whatever. And it's like more often than not, uh, if it comes from TikTok, my my skeptic side is like super amped up where it's like, all right. Because to me, mm-hmm. like when I think TikTok, I think like, as the as the kids like to say, clout chasing, that, that people are mm-hmm. trying to – that they're in it for, they want to get, they want to go viral. So they're making like fake videos and stuff yeah. like that. So, so I feel like you have to be very yeah. d- discerning on TikTok because, um, absolutely. These, these people, yeah. And these people have no, <clears throat> there's, it's like a lot of these social media platforms, I think, too, where it's like there are well meaning people. And if you stay within those circles, uh, like, so like on a place like Reddit or something, too. Uh, if you stay within those circles, you can have fulfilling, interesting conversations and network with with people that have similar interests and have you know, and you can you can really have a good community. But there's also mm-hmm. sort of young people or just people who want attention on social media or whatever, and they have no they have no like to like to me. It's like I cannot fathom why someone would want to fake something like it's disrespectful of the phenomenon in a sense um, mm-hmm. but like young people who were like oh well i'm gonna fake a bigfoot thing because then i'll get a million views on tiktok like they they don't care uh so yeah that's that's yeah. kind of the i think that's a yeah i feel I like that's a fair yeah that's a fair assessment and and also what i find and maybe this is um giving people maybe this is naive, giving people the benefit of the doubt, but I also see a lot of people being just willfully blind to the fact that something might not be paranormal. Like, I'd like to think that there's not so many people um, actively faking activity or actively faking, you know, putting a big foot suit on and, like, walking across. Like, I often see see that people record something that is real, like, it's real, it's happening, but they choose not to disclose all of the information um, about that clip because, you know, it's 15 seconds or whatever, and, like, and they're just choosing not to debunk it in a sense or not to um, be transparent about its origin or whatever. And and also, we live in a day and age where it's a very real um, job to aspire after uh, that is – social media influencer or making money making right. a significant amount a significant amount of money on social media and like Gen Z, like these young kids are growing up with the idea like I can choose to become a content creator. I can say this is the job that I want and then they go and do that. And like mm-hmm. 
my my opinions on that I'm not going to get into, but like with the paranormal, they can see that you know there's there's creators out there with a million followers who create paranormal um, media, and so yeah, I'm sure kids are just like I'm going to take a video of this like space X in the in the sky and play it off as a UFO, and I will get to be famous yeah <laughs> so yeah I, basically that was a long-winded way of saying yeah that's a fair assessment and i i can also see that um but but i do like the tiktok medium for other things like i don't totally hate it but as far as what you're doing and if you're having to review like footage that's coming from tiktok i think it's very fair to have to be cautious of of really what's real there and like what the intent is with with that video circulating, you know? So, yeah, that's yeah. totally fair. Um, well, is there – we're heading towards the close here. Zach Copley asked uh, – I think you kind of alluded to this in the art, one of the articles I read about you. He wants to know, is pretty effing spooky, which I love the name. You've done, you've done an awesome job of, of, of making that into a brand. Um, so I really do – I love that. Um he wants to know, is it becoming kind of an occupation for you also now, or is it more uh, going to stay as a passion project, hobby, uh, like personal thing? I guess he wants to know, sort of like, do you envision a time when th- this will be the only thing you do and you don't, because I know you have a day job, so uh, yeah. you, you mentioned in one yeah. of the articles. So uh, but do you envision a time? I mean, I mean I'm sure you'd probably love that, that, if, that was, if this was your full-time gig. So, um, But do you envision yeah. that? Um. So I have a very regular job currently that I envision myself not working forever. And I would love to incorporate more of my passions into my day job. But as far as if, if my work as pretty F and spooky or pretty F and spooky in itself becoming my job, um, I, I would like to see myself separate from pretty F and spooky and become hopefully, um, you know, some kind of, God, this is going to sound full of myself. I don't know how else to say it right now, but I would like to become um, more influential to the field. Like I'd like to contribute more and become more a part of, of the field in the future. If that leads to something lucrative that could replace a day job, great. If it doesn't, that's okay. I'll figure it out as I go. Um, but as far as uh, career paths for me in the ghost hunting world, um, the options are few. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, it's, I, it's I, incredibly hard yeah. to to carve out a, a a living in the paranormal. So, yeah, yeah if if that ever happens, though, I'd tough. never say no. I would never close that door. I would love to see that happen, but I'm also 31, and I can understand that um, that I might have to. Um, I don't know, just make that look different. I don't know what that's going to look like for me. I'd love to move out of my um, very regular, regular day job and uh, incorporate more of my passion one day, though. So. Yes, I guess the answer yeah. is yes. I, I'd like to see my work become more of um, of my life, but um, it kind of is right now anyway. And I'm and I'm meeting amazing people and talking to amazing people and like and like I, I'm trying to um, be gracious for what I'm given now, even if it means I still work a regular day job, you know. But yeah, yeah. absolutely, such, yeah. Such well, is you life, seem... you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're you're very prolific and very active, so. Uh... You know, hats off to you uh, to have a day job and do all this stuff is pretty, um, you know, it can be pretty tiring. So I I have a lot of respect for that. Now, I, I 
suppose everybody sort of asks in a sense, like, what's your favorite place to investigate or your favorite investigation you've been to? But I guess I'll try to give you a different spin. Now, maybe you've already been asked this before in some places, but is there a place that you would like to go and and do an investigation that you haven't yet? Yes, and I'm actually planning on going there next year. Um, but I have always dreamed of um, – visiting and to some degree investigating the Paris catacombs um, and Stonehenge. And I will be there next July if everything, you know, if the world allows it. So my dream has always been to go overseas and investigate um, some of the more ancient or, you know, I mean, the catacombs are ancient, but, you know, older, older than what's over yeah. here. And um, yeah, that, that's my goal. That's where I want to go with my investigations. Yeah, it's funny. I I saw you mentioned that uh, I think on Instagram or on um, or on uh, on Twitter. And it's funny we didn't I didn't plan this because you're going on the yeah. <laughs> Zach Copley says is she, is she going on that cruise? Because uh, John Tenney was on last week and he's going to be one of the speakers on the cruise and. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so Strange Escapes, if you're listening, you know, float me a free room or something now for all this free publicity I've given you guys for this cruise. But, yeah, you're going on the cruise that goes to Stonehenge and then uh, down through Europe and everything, right? Sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, I am. It was was a big decision to make because I was like, do I really want to go on a cruise with, like, I've never been on a Strange Escapes event ever, um, but, man, I was sold on the Stonehenge and Catacombs tour aspect of it. So, yes, I'm going on the Strange Escapes cruise, and it should be pretty cool. I'm very excited. I'm sure you're going to have a blast. Uh, They they put on good shows from what I understand, and uh, the locations there are awesome, and Tenny's the man. So I don't know if you've ever met John Tenny, but uh, you'll you'll immediately – you'll love the guy. He's awesome. He's, He's a fascinating dude. Cool. Um, well, I know so, Dana yeah, you'll, too, you'll have a lot Dana, of fun. Yeah, Dana Newkirk will be there, and, and she's a butt of mine. So we'll we'll hang and do weird Europe ghost hunting stuff. So it should be cool, and be on a cruise, which I keep forgetting. Part of that is like a literal ship I'm going to be on, but I'm just really tunnel visioned for Stonehenge uh, and Catacombs. It should be it should be really cool. I'm really excited. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that'll be like a once-in-a-lifetime adventure. So uh, I'm actually envious. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking now now that, yeah, the more I'm hearing about it now, I'm like, oh, maybe <laughs> more and more people I know are going to be on this cruise, <laughs> so I should I should mm-hmm. check it out. But uh, so what's – how I guess, like, you know, what's next for you? How often do you do you do these investigations? Do you have one coming up? Do you sort of uh, – you know, what's on – aside from the cruise next year – you know, what's on the horizon uh, that people could look forward to, you know, the folks who follow you on social media and stuff? Yeah, well, the biggest thing for me is um, I've been working on a documentary for the last year, and that will be coming yes, out Yes, I wanted to ask you about that. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. I forgot all about it, but I had it here in the back <laughs> of my mind. So, yeah, talk about the movie. Yeah, yeah. so, so um, I've been filming a documentary for the last uh, year based out of the Olympic Peninsula. Um, it's a... It's a uh, true crime story from the 1940s um, with a paranormal thread, and uh, I'll be starring in that as a paranormal investigator. Um, some very weird stuff goes down. I approach it as a normal paranormal investigator and go through um, a journey, basically trying to investigate what ends up being way more than I asked for. And uh, that doc is going to be coming out in 2022. Um, I 
filmed it with a studio out of uh, Seattle, um, and so they are in the process of um, getting it to a streaming platform um, that everyone can watch through. So, yeah, uh, anyone who wants to follow me or is following me, just keep an eye out for a release date for that, but it is coming 2022. I'm very, very excited for it to come out. And actually, if there are Hellier fans listening, um, there might be a familiar face in a – in a short little interview on the documentary. But I, can't, oh. I don't know if I could even say that, <laughs> but I am. Yeah, you don't know. They could end up on the cutting room floor, so we don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, there, there's going to be a, a few familiar faces, um, and then my face in particular is going to be in a lot of it. So, yeah, it should, be, it should be good. It's really cool. The Olympic Peninsula has been the most incredible place that I've had the honor of, like, investigating in the Olympic National Forest, and there's so much weird primordial, like, strange stuff happening out there. It's incredible. So that is what I'm looking forward to most in 2022, but I do plan on investigating as I usually do. I think the next place I might hit up is Manresa Castle, which is over um, in near Seattle, like on the west side of Washington State, and so that'll probably be um, coming up for me in, like, January, February, but... Yeah, that's my 2022 in a nutshell. And then saving a bunch of money for Europe because that's very expensive. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Now, you – one last thing. So you're – what's interesting, too, is you're in Washington, um, which is Bigfoot country, and it seems like almost everybody I know who's in the paranormal uh, – who emanates out of Washington is sort of of the Bigfoot bent, which is cool that you're into the ghosts. Have you ever – had any sort of Bigfoot experience living out there? Um, I have, actually. And um, some of it was out on the peninsula, which I think um, is just a very strange area. I've been to the Psychic Sasquatch Festival that's held out here um, in a town called Chihuahua, uh, but didn't experience any phenomena out there. But um, I, I did actually have an experience in a cemetery that that went butt up against a uh, just a massive forest in northern Idaho, which is just about an hour away from me, um, yeah. where I, I had an, I had a very very interesting encounter um, of which I heard something uh, moving in the woods that was just unexplainably large and um, frightening. That also gave me an impression that it was this is this is such a weird story to just try to brief on, but. But I, I've had some weird Sasquatch experiences in northern Idaho, which is close to me. So that I'll just leave yeah, it at yeah. that. There has been some weird stuff, yeah. Um, and <coughs> and yeah, it's it. I I wasn't really into Sasquatch though for a long time. I, that's like very new for that's a year new for me, kind of opening myself up to Sasquatch. Um, yeah. And uh, and I'm really I'm liking it. I was on a a different. I was on a radio show recently and. And I was also told there's there's some people in in my area in Spokane in particular that are very into the um, Sasquatch hunting kind of field, and so I think that's something I might explore in 2022, especially since it's in my area. Um, I just have to kind of uh, know how to camp, I guess. <laughs> I need to get a tent. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole um, yeah, yeah, it's a whole different sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's something I can't do alone, but I'd like to try to. Um, create some community around here in Spokane um, to try to, to try to get more into that. Because I do think that that is, there's a lot of that around here. Yeah. Yeah. And just a heads up, like uh, 
Yeah, we can just dribble over the hour just a little bit, so we're not going to get cut off from uh, the thing. So, but I'm, I'm wrapping it up now. I won't take up too much more of your time. But uh, yeah, that's, a, that's definitely an interesting because uh, there are some people who think that there's, uh, you know, that Sasquatch isn't necessarily like a, a creature per se. That it could be that it could be a ghost. Uh, Greg Newkirk says that. Um, you know, that, so there, there could be. I would be interested to see. To hear your takeaway, if you dig further into that, to see, like, okay, this is really... Because you know what would be interesting is someone who goes on a Sasquatch, quote-unquote Sasquatch hunt, and maybe you bring that equipment with you. That would be Mm -hmm. kind of interesting, because you never hear anyone who goes... Like, people go on a ghost hunt, they bring all that equipment, but it's like you hear people go on a Sasquatch hunt, and they generally camp. They camp out, Mm -hmm. and, like, they bang on a tree with a stick... And they put out some scent stuff maybe to try and lure the the Bigfoot out. But they don't do any of the – it's two completely different methods. It would be interesting to see if they Mm -hmm. crossed over. You know, like imagine like you're in – like kind of like what they do in Hellier. But like imagine like you do the Estes method in the fucking woods. Like Mm -hmm. with possibly big (laughs) – who knows? Yeah, so Could be cool. I will say, uh, people, if you want to see that, you should watch uh, Death is With Me, my documentary coming out in 2022, because oh, we're definitely awesome. on to something there. Yeah, yep. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the the perfect uh, place to end this. So I, I, I loved this conversation. It was great having you on the show, man. This was so much fun. Um, I, I could probably take up even more of your time. Like I said, we could do a whole show on the Instagram. We could do... And, and and the TikTok video. So I have a feeling we'll we'll talk again in the future. Um, uh, I wish you the best of luck. I I I, I was really impressed. I, I like I like your take on a lot of this stuff. So uh, I'm looking forward. I'm going to keep following your work, and I look forward to seeing what else you have up your sleeve and the documentary. And uh, you know, have fun on the tour. And if you ever wind up, I feel like you're going to have to come back to the Lizzie Borden house at some point. So if you ever do, yes. I'm only like an hour away. Let me know. I want to know. More, we'll have to hang out or something, or uh, yeah. you know, get get dig into this Lizzie Borden thing more because it's it's pretty wild. But uh, I, I'm a fan, I'm a big fan. So cool. I wish you the best of luck, yeah. and, and and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a really great time, and we will definitely talk soon, and hopefully one day uh, get to investigate Lizzie Borden together. <laughs> Absolutely. Happy holidays, and uh, have cool. a good night. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. All right, folks, there you go. That was Amanda Paulson. Uh, PrettyEffinSpooky.com is the website. That was an awesome conversation. I really enjoyed it. Uh, that was that was really cool. It's amazing how many cool people you find in the paranormal. There, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of cool people out there, um, you know. And like I said, I, I hang out on on Twitter a lot, and uh, that's kind of where we found a lot of the people who were on the summer of strangeness and it's kind of looking a little bit like that's sort of how we're going to develop uh the winter of weirdness uh cool cool paranormal people that i cross paths with uh in these realms um i don't recall how i found amanda in the first place but it was somehow through the lizzie borden story um that i was like what is this lizzie borden house this is like right in my wheelhouse no pun intended and then i dug deeper into it and i'm like holy shit uh I gotta put Amanda on the list here for uh winter weirdness guests because that was that that is this is a wild story and I wanna hear more. And it and it did turn out to be a wild story. Um just awesome stuff. So next week on the show 
we're back. Like I, you should have figured this out by now. Um, oh, I want to thank Zach Copley and Miriam Hamlet in the chat. Um, Zach's like my right-hand man in the chat. He keeps me posted on uh, sound quality and stuff. So Otherwise, I'm like flying blind. I have no idea if anyone can even hear us. So, so Zach Copley jumps in at the beginning of the show in the chat, and he's like, gives the two thumbs up. All, all good, brother. And then, uh, then I can relax and broadcast. Um, so yeah, so next week we're back. 9 p.m. is the time. Tuesday nights. We're settling back into the Tuesdays at nine. I kind of like it, to be honest. Uh, <coughs> Friday nights. You don't know what you're going to get. You know, it's the end of the week. Uh, sometimes I'm tired. I don't feel like doing a radio show. I think maybe maybe that was why it's taken me so long to get back uh, up and running here with the podcast because it was like, ah, oh man, my Friday nights. You know, the pandemic's kind of over. Uh, I can at least leave the house uh, on a Friday. Uh, you know, so Tuesday nights. Who the fuck's going out on a Tuesday night? Not your old pal Benal. So Tuesday nights uh, is working out for me. So what am I talking about next week? Uh, let me see if he's got a website here. I'll tell you a little story. So next week's guest is going to be Paul Bartholomew. Uh, he is a Bigfoot researcher. This is what I love about Banal of America, folks, to be quite honest with you, and what I enjoy about uh, Bartholomew. I'm typing it in while I talk to you all. I probably just misspelled it, of course. There we go. Anyway, okay. Paul Bartholomew, he is uh, a Bigfoot researcher. He lives up in Whitehall, New York, and anyone who's followed my adventures, I'm going to tell a lot of this story next week at the beginning of the show, but anyone who's followed my adventures over the last year uh, would know or might remember that uh, I actually went up to, I went to Whitehall twice this past summer. Uh, first, I went to a uh, a festival dedicated to the Lake Monster Champ um, up in Port Henry, New York. Uh, it was the Champ Fest. That was the beginning of August. And on the way... I passed through this town, Whitehall, New York, and I recognize it because I've written about it a lot for Coast to Coast because it's the Bigfoot capital of New York. And they have adopted Bigfoot as their as their official mascot. So uh, I was like, well, we got to stop in Whitehall because there's Bigfoot statues like all over the place. Um, and, you know, I went and walked around, saw all the Bigfoot statues, and, and it, was, uh, it was pretty cool. And... Uh, at the place where they have the big Bigfoot statue, the woman who works there gave me a fire and said, oh, we're we're going to have the Whitehall Bigfoot Festival at the end of September. And uh, so I was like, I really love it up here. It's a really nice area of the country. It's like right – it's like the border of Vermont and New York. Uh, Whitehall is right on the border. Um, so it's its own sort of like interesting cultural flavor. Uh, it's very Vermonty, and so I'm like, I really love it up here, and uh, I want to do more festivals and sort of conventions and stuff, especially post post 2020 when everyone was stuck inside. It's like I want to get out more and, and see things. So I went back up to, well, actually, when I went to the Champ Fest, uh, they had a table with all of the different, a bunch of different cryptozoologists, um, and. One guy in particular, our guest next week, Paul Bartholomew, was just the nicest dude, just the sweetest, nicest guy. And he had so many stories and was just incredibly friendly and so welcoming and nice. And I'm like, I love, I love this guy. 
and and uh, because he's from Whitehall and he he's pretty much integral to the Whitehall Bigfoot Festival, um, you know, I'm like, well, fuck it, I'm going, I'm going to go up to this event and check it out and uh, and see. And I had the time of my life at the at the Bigfoot Festival. We'll talk about why it was so awesome uh, next week on the show. Um, but yeah, so that that's sort of the long and short of it. Uh, Paul was a super welcoming, friendly guy, and sort of made made it like uh, was a, a fantastic representative of Whitehall as sort of like this Bigfoot town. Um, and we're going to talk about all that stuff uh, next week. We're going to he he's been on all kinds of shows. He's done all kinds of stuff. Uh, he is. I don't think he has a website. Now he doesn't have a website, but he's written Bigfoot Encounters in New York and New England and uh, the Mysterious Northwoods. Um, and he's a he's a bona fide Bigfoot expert, especially for that region up there. And he can tell some really good stories about Bigfoot sightings in Whitehall. Um, I think that that was like one of the coolest parts about meeting him. It was I was riveted by these stories of, of actual Bigfoot sightings from like the last few years that he has investigated in his town of Whitehall. So, uh, yeah, I've said a lot to preview the show. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't give away the whole program, but that that's going to be next week's show. It's going to be a Bigfoot Bonanza uh, with Paul Bartholomew on next week's Been All of America. That's going to be, what, Tuesday, December 14th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the Internet, and then later uh, via MP3, which is how you're all listening to this now. And uh, I think we had a pretty good turnaround time on last week's show uh, with John Tenney, and I'm going to try to have a better turnaround time on this one. Keep your fingers crossed. And with all that said, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks once again to the folks in the chat room, and uh, thanks to the folks uh, who downloaded the show. This is Tim Badal. Until next week, thanking you for listening and signing off.